Guns are the cause of mass shootings. This today and more on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Interested in a particular topic that you want us to cover? If so, email us at admin at kingdompatriot.us. That's admin at kingdompatriot.us. We'd love to hear from you today. Wow. I'm out for a week on a canoe trip with my daughter to the no-cell-signal wilderness of northern Minnesota, and landmark news explodes in my absence. I think I'm going to take more of these trips if this is going to be the norm. Okay, for this week's news interview, it's really tempting to call out the liberal newspapers that are going completely on offense to defend all of their precious cultural sacred cows. I could talk about the New York Times claiming that Christianity promotes gun culture that allows epidemic mass shootings, but I won't. I could talk about the Washington Post columnist defending drag story hour for kids because there's, quote, nothing inherently sexual about it. But I won't. And I certainly could mention the Philadelphia Inquirer as it tells its two dozen readers, don't blame Biden for higher gas prices. It's because of Manchin and the GOP. But I won't. The reason I'm ignoring these stories that last week were like little annoying gnats is because this week's news and review belongs to the Supreme Court of the United States and three landmark rulings that came out. So let's briefly touch on each one. So regarding religious liberty, the Supreme Court ruled on Carson versus Macon. Because Maine is one of the most sparsely populated states in the Union, they implemented a tuition assistance program to increase access to education for children. This assistance, in essence, provided vouchers to parents to send their kids to the school of their choice, whether it was public school, private school, or something else, especially with the challenges of geographic distance for some families. However, the program had one specific carve-out. It said the only schools to be excluded, even if they met all the educational criteria, were faith-based schools, where religious studies were taught. Obviously, a suit was filed and the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that about allowing this program for all other institutions, but specifically carving out religious schools, was a clear example of targeted discrimination, religious discrimination, and is not allowed. The 6-3 ruling is a huge win for religious liberty. On the Second Amendment front, SCOTUS ruled 6-3 to strike down a New York gun carry law. So the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association filed suit in the case versus Bruin, and the state law required anyone who wants to carry a concealed handgun outside the home to show proper cause for the license. It's always informative to read Justice Thomas's comments, so we're going to be quoting him. For example, quote, In 43 states, the government issues licenses to carry based on objective criteria. But in six states, including New York, the government further conditions issuance of a license to carry on a citizen's showing of some additional special need. Because the state of New York issues public carry licenses only when an applicant demonstrates a special need for self-defense, we conclude that the state's licensing regime violates the Constitution. Justice Thomas continues, quote, New York generally requires evidence of particular threats, attacks, or other extraordinary danger to personal safety. The New York City Police Department's requirement of extraordinary personal danger are documented by proof of recurrent threats to life or safety. 
and when a licensing officer denies an application, judicial review is very limited. Thomas also continues on a detailed analysis of the Second Amendment, including historical meaning and context of New York laws. Ultimately, the majority concluded rightly that this distinction on a specific codified express constitutional right, the burden to prove the conduct as constitutional by the individual, is wrong. And in opposite, the burden actually should fall on the state to prove the conduct of the individual is unconstitutional. In this case, a person should not have the burden of proof to show why they should have to be allowed to carry a firearm and why this is constitutional. But rather, the state has the burden of proof to show why the individual did not have the right to carry the firearm and why it was unconstitutional. This is subtle, but very powerful. In essence, the burden of proof relies on the state, not the individual. The case further comments that the Second Amendment is not a right to have a firearm in the home only, but presumably the primary reason is to actually carry the firearm outside the home. Gun control advocates are going nuts, as they believe this is going to just open the door to more gun violence. Apparently, they haven't been paying very close attention to the news. In almost all cases, gun violence victims are unarmed. Just saying. So finally, the ruling that is getting the most attention is the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I'm really not going to comment too much on this, because you're going to have to listen to our special edition podcast on this topic that will be coming out very soon. But I do want to make a few comments on what this does not mean. This does not outlaw abortion. It simply corrects a major mistake of judicial ruling in 1973. It says that states and elected representatives get to decide if abortion should be allowed in their state, not the Supreme Court creating a federal right to abortion. States are free to ban abortion or to make it as easy as going to McDonald's. And that's super, super important because I've been hearing over and over through the news that abortion is now illegal. Well, that's true if your state decides to make it so. But the overturning of Roe v. Wade does not do so in of itself. It just says the Supreme Court's job is to interpret law, not create law. Creating law is the job of the legislature. And Roe v. Wade usurped the legislature and created law with ambiguous parameters supported literally by nothing. There's more to come in our special edition. For this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Now to today's topic, the anatomy of a mass shooting. Well, I say that tongue-in-cheek. Welcome back, Sean. Hey, Chris. I think you and I both would agree. In fact, we even talked about it on the last, last episode that guns are about as responsible for mass shootings and murder as spoons are for obesity. So I want to put our audience to ease that we're not jumping out at the beginning of this podcast and saying that guns are, are the cause of mass shootings. No, but today we do want to look at what I referred to earlier as the anatomy of mass shootings. Yeah, I think that's really important. And when you say the anatomy, I think it's like, okay, what is taking place? Where are these taking place? How are these taking place? If we can understand that, then perhaps we can learn from it and then potentially prevent these. Agreed? Yes. If we take a realistic, basic look at what is going on, we're going to essentially profile the incidents, what is involved. So I do, I do want to say that we are not placing ourselves above the FBI who actually do detailed profiling, uh, mental profiling, and that kind of thing. We're just going to take what I would say is a layperson's view, high level of some of the things we see. So, for instance, where do some of these occur? Over the last couple of years, the mass shootings that we've seen have occurred in medical clinics, malls, restaurants, churches, subways, downtown areas, at protests, concerts, and schools. 
Now I've listed nine there that seem to be common. In other words, it occurred more than once. Six of those nine are in what I believe are gun-free zones, depending on the state. Uh, certainly schools are federally, but I believe most of those places are gun-free zones in the state. So I don't think we can say that's all the case, but it is interesting that in the places that people congregate, a lot of them are designated as gun-free zones. Does that strike you at all? Well, it strikes me, but it's it's sad because it's like, you know, the people that are going to perpetrate these crimes, they know this is where they can get away with stuff. They can have the highest impact and the likelihood that they can get away with it is a lot better for them there. Absolutely. I mean, if you know that you're going to a place that generally speaking, the people are unarmed, then that is going to allow you, by definition, a lawbreaker to go in and cause extensive damage to all those who are law abiders. Easy pickings. Easy pickings. So what about the profile of the individual perpetrator? I mean, we could talk about race and gender. I think when it comes to mass shootings, it's typically male. So I think that's probably uh, backed up by, by data and evidence. But as far as race, I don't think you could profile a potential mass shooter by race. I mean, you've got minorities killing each other on the streets of Chicago. But then you've got the folks that fit, the, if you will, the profile of a white supremacist. But at the end of the day, I don't think these mass shootings are respective of a single race. And of course, we could get into religion as we talk about uh, some of the mass shootings that occurred. I know Fort Hood had a couple occurred a couple of years ago where the, this individual, uh, I believe, praised Allah before he did that. So there are certainly some militant segments of, of faith-based communities that that are certainly more likely to be involved in this. But I think as you as you look at all these, it's hard to say, boy, if we just had this this profile of somebody of a race and a gender, that, that we're going to be able to, to stop these. I mean, I don't see a lot of correlation there. Do you? No, there's not. Not for what you've listed. So let's take a moment and talk about mental and spiritual profile, because I'm going to be very careful how I say this. There, there are many, many people in the United States that struggle from mental illness, and it comes in a lot of different forms. This individual at Uvalde was on a whole nother level. And I, I'm referencing that because that's the most recent shooting. But folks, you have to understand this person's mindset. This person was known in the community for loving to kill animals, specifically cats. He killed cats. He put them in a bag, the bloody cats, dead cats in a bag and carried them around in his car, showing them to people. This is what he did for fun. I don't think that sounds like an individual that's playing with a full deck. No. And this type of behavior is very common among folks that do some pretty bad stuff. So what is going on spiritually with an individual like this, Sean? Well, the bottom line for me, and, and just to get to the meat of it, we're talking about demonic influence. Anybody who grabs any kind of a weapon in other countries where they don't have guns, they'll grab a saber or they'll grab a knife. Um, they'll grab whatever they've got experience with and they will go after people. It's a demonic issue. Something is going on in their life. Now I know there's a lot of secularists and, and a lot of liberals would immediately like roll their eyes, but it's like, look, you see evil in the world. And we have two predominant worldviews going on here. 
we've got a spiritual component to all of life. What we're dealing here with is spiritual warfare. But for the liberal, for humanism, the worldview says man is inherently good. But for those who know the Lord, they know that scripture says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. That is the unredeemed heart, the one that hasn't come to know Jesus. When you've got a mass killing like this, you've got demonic influence. Flesh out of control is spirit. Anytime a person finds themselves doing something and they don't really understand why they did it, they probably have a demonic influence. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody that has, like you were talking about earlier, that has a mental illness, that that is the cause. But for many people, they are afflicted with a demonic spirit that is tormenting them. I think that's an important distinction, Sean, because there are people who suffer from anxiety or depression. Those folks aren't picking up a weapon and going to shoot up in schools. That's just that's just not the case. There is definitely a spiritual influence here. And by nature, I think that influence is, is just this pervasiveness, being purveyors of lawlessness. By definition, citizens who are not law-abiding. And as I think about this individual in Uvalde, and we talk about more gun laws, I always chuckle, not because it's not a serious situation. I mean, don't, don't hear me say that. It's that we're going to pass more laws that we think is going to have a profound impact on the person who is, by definition, a lawbreaker. Exactly. It's lunacy. It's lunacy. It really is. It's probably how our tax code got written. You have one bad actor, one person who finds a loophole and does something to cheat the system. And so the millions of others suffer of the result of new regulations to close that loophole. And so when I think of, when I think that people who commit bad acts with guns, they're by definition lawbreakers. That's who they are. So what about the situation at Uvalde itself? This is what we do know at this point. It's pretty fresh. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot more coming out. But we know that the locked doors weren't. We know that the armed security wasn't there. And we know that the courageous officers were scared and by policy and protocol did not go into the school. And we know that people knew about this kid ahead of time and didn't speak up. I see those as all failures. But I want to go back to your point. I believe the left and sometimes even the right, they look at these things and they say, that's what caused this. I see those as failures that might could have prevented this. But did they actually cause this event, Sean? No. What caused it? Something else is going on in the life of this person, and it's, it has a spiritual origin. There's a spiritual origin when somebody derives great pleasure out of tormenting, torturing, and killing an animal. That's different from hunting. Hunting, you're not tormenting, you're not torturing the animal, you're shooting it. And a good hunter, just it's one shot. You know, and you want a clean kill. You want something that drops them quickly and they don't suffer. We don't want the animal to suffer. I, I totally agree. So when I look at this, I don't see cause. We're in agreement here. I don't see that these failures were the cause. They created the Swiss cheese effect. And, you know, have you ever heard the, all the holes kind of line up? Mm -hmm. There was still not the cause. The cause was the individual and the, the attempt to look at all of these things. So, so the person on, 
you know, the conservative would say, we got to make sure those doors are locked. We got to make sure armed security is there. And we got to make sure the officers, when they get a call like this, they are storming the castle, so to speak. And if you know about this kid in the community, that you are raising the alarm. Those are all things that the conservatives would say. The liberal says, no, we just need more laws. Right. Both of them. Well, I shouldn't say both. All the things that the conservatives talk about are necessary. And I'm not really sure that more gun laws is necessary. But at the end of the day, they're both fruit. One of the things that Tucker Carlson pointed out yesterday uh, or the day before is this young guy got a very expensive gun and he was showing, I believe, the receipt or a picture of it on social media, either the receipt or the picture. And it's like, where'd you get this money? That was a very expensive gun. And then on top of that, apparently, my understanding is that he acquired a lot of ammunition. And it's like, did did nobody notice that this young guy is amassing a bunch of ammunition? I mean, there are signs, but if we're not paying attention. Those are all important pieces. These are all things that could have prevented the tragedy, but they're still fruit. And I feel like both sides of this argument are trying to deal with the fruit instead of deal with the root. And I think you have hit it, Sean, that the root is the spiritual warfare. And for today, as we talk about how does faith play into this, this story and this situation, this horrible situation, that's what it is. This is spiritual warfare. We're talking about a society that is producing people like this. Our hearts are made to worship. And we will either worship our Lord and God in heaven and be, and be um, subject, su- subject to Jesus Christ, or we will find another idol to put in our hearts. And we are seeing the result of a society that has rejected God unabashedly on an entire population scale. And you're seeing hearts that have idols, that have emptiness, that don't fulfill that produce this kind of demonic influence. You know, it reminds me when, when you talk about demonic influence, it reminds me of the story. I think it's in Matthew where it says, this is like the spirit who was cast out. He, he left the individual and then he came back later and found that the, the house, if you will, was swept clean in order. And he brought in seven spirits more worse than himself and then occupied. And the condition of that person became worse than it was originally. And it reminds me that's because that story, I believe, tells what a heart is, that a heart always has something in it. And it's either going to have God in it and Jesus Christ, or it's going to have an idol. And in this case, these idols are bad. They're, they're, just, they're just really bad. Exactly. You can go back to, I think, the line of demarcation that began all of this. The rise of lawlessness, the seed of it, was when we decided to kick God out of the schools kick prayer out of the schools. From that point forward, we have seen the rise and the increase of crime very steadily and going into all different kinds of areas of life. Then not long after that, we've got Roe versus Wade. There's lawlessness is creeping, and we've finally reached the point where we've got people rioting in the streets And they're calling it the summer of love. And they're rioting in the streets. People are afraid to go outside. They're supposed to be peaceful demonstrations, but they're rioting. They're destroying property. 
They're going after anybody that is trying to take a righteous stand. We see lawlessness going all over the place, and it comes back to this. We have been trying to strip our country from its anchor, and that anchor is trust in God. You know, it reminds me of something that I've told my kids before in regards to obedience. And you you can just tell me if you think this translates. I tell my kids, why is it important to obey your parents, even if you disagree with them? Now, I will create a caveat there. If the parent is asking their child to sin, then the the kids should not obey them. And I've given my kids that freedom. I said, if I'm asking you something that's just not scriptural, then you have the right to go to a pastor, a friend, and whatever, and bring them into the conversation. But absent of that, there's a reason that we learn to obey those in authority over us. And, and the reason I give them that is because if we can't obey those in authority that we see, we will never walk in obeying authority of Jesus, who we don't see with our eyes. That's really good. And that's what you see. This lawless spirit you see, it's not just lawlessness towards God. It's lawlessness to anything that's in authority. You see it in everything. And, I, and honestly, I didn't really think our conversation would go this direction, but you've really hit a passion point for me. Why do we think people want to call themselves whatever they want to call them? You know, I'm, I can be a female, even though I have male parts or the opposite, or I can be this, or I can be that. Why is that? Because I will not allow myself to be bound by the authority of science. Mm-hmm. I will not allow myself to be bound by the authority of scripture. No one is going to tell me what to do. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul, I believe, as Mandela said it. So what, what you end up having is, is that you have mankind who is being taught to be his self-determiner. And then you move from God, from his life, the moral compass. And now you are left with somebody who's completely wicked, who is making all the decisions in their life with no authority whatsoever. That's how you get this. Yeah. And so you've got a society where a a large chunk of the leadership is trying to divorce the country from its origin in its trust in God. And so embracing humanism because they have rejected God, and then they begin trying to legitimize virtually every sin that there is, every sin that they enjoy participating in, they have sought to legitimize by making it legal. So the political discussion on this is, as many of our leaders in our government have led the charge on the sprint, it's not a, it's not a walk, it's not incremental, it is a all-out sprint towards humanism. Mm-hmm. And that belief, I think you mentioned earlier, that man is inherently good. When we know that scripture says man is inherently wicked, that's why we need God. That's why we need his moral compass, because his moral compass is absolute. We can learn from scripture. We can learn when our relationship with Christ, what the right thing to do is. We need those boundaries. We need those rules. But our leaders have pushed us and led us as far away from God as possible and as close to humanism as possible. And this is what we're left with. So in some ways, as you and I talk about the cause, is it really that surprising that we're here? Right. And the enemy of our soul, his MO has never changed. It's steal, kill, destroy. And that is what we're seeing taking place in our American society today. You're listening to The Grid, a podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. You can find us on the web at kingdompatriot.us.
Join us in the fight for faith and freedom. Mondays on your favorite podcast platform. It is repulsive to pull up an internet site for the news and see one story after another after another with very little good news, and it's steal, kill, destroy. And that's our politics. We're in a situation where one particular party happens to be in charge of two of the branches of government. I almost want to say the Supreme Court, which is the third branch, but that's iffy on its own. But we've got one party which has sought to legitimize sin and bring darkness upon our nation. And what a mess. What a mess. It's a total mess. Let's just recap today real quick. You know, final thoughts. What caused Uvalde? What causes mass shootings? Go. Darkness. People don't know who they are anymore. They are being told that they can be whatever they want to be. The truth is not being reinforced. People don't know that they are made in the image of God. They are precious, that Jesus came on a rescue mission to save them as an individual. They don't know. I really don't think I can add to that. Darkness is the cause. Everything else is periphery. Doesn't mean there aren't necessary things, but the solution cannot be on the periphery when it's a hard issue, which is why I'm so glad that next week we're going to get to the root and we're going to talk about solutions. Yeah, because one of the things that we believe here at the Kingdom Patriot Group that we are supposed to do, especially with The Grid and other podcasts that we launch, we're supposed to propose solutions, not just talk about issues, not just talk about the pluses and the minuses, but actually offer viable, workable solutions that everyday Americans can implement. Totally agree. So stay tuned next week. We're going to talk about some serious solutions. I'm Sean Griffin. And I'm Chris Coleman. And we are Kingdom, Kingdom Patriots. Patriots.